Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Coming up on today's show, it's time to say goodbye to Google Stadia. 2022 sales numbers are in, and Khalif Adams is here. everybody and welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I am one of your hosts, Andrea Renee, joined by Mrs. Rihanna Manuel-Pena. Hello, hello. And please welcome our special guest, the host and founder of Spawn on Me, the one, the only, Khalif Adams returns. Oatmeal raisin forever. Hell yeah. Oh no, Hell I'm gonna yeah. get tag teamed on this, aren't I? <laughs> it's, it's coming, you asked for it, it's coming. Ah, you're doing this just because our dear friend, Brittany Brombacher, the blonde nerd, has come down with the Rona. She escaped it for almost three years. It's impressive. But, That's really But impressive. finally succumbed. But she's doing all right, everybody. She's, you know, posted up with cough drops and honey and, you know, a box of Kleenex. And hopefully she'll be back on her feet soon. So send her your love on social media. She posted this amazing photo <laughs> of her. Look, this is the thing people do all the time. Like, look at me. I'm sick, but I look beautiful. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Girl, good for you. I saw that picture. I was like, Britt, your skin looks so good. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, I'm glad that she's not feeling as bad as I did when I got COVID because I was in bed for like 10 straight days. It was no bueno. Anyway, we're so glad that you are here. You two had a big week because you recorded the upcoming award show, The Spawnies, yes. the second annual. Congratulations. Very exciting. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We were in a, a very secret, secret, secret place doing our last bits of recordings for The Spawnies. We crushed it as always. It was great. I think, you know, one of the things that always comes up when it comes to Spawnies, you know, now second year of us doing the show is it always just feels like what kind of energy can you bring to the table for something that's going to be really, really fun. And I think that when I think about the work that we've been doing doing over the past couple of months, get all the last pieces together. I'm really excited about the show we're going to put on. Really hyped for for all the energy that's going to come. Really excited. I'm just hyped for it to finally be here. We're only a couple of days away, which is wild to think about. And and it's going to be a really fun idea for that. When and where can people watch it? And we will be talking more about the show a little bit later on in the episode. We're going live on the 30th of January at 6 p.m. PST. We'll be live on the front page of Twitch at twitch.tv slash spawn all. And yeah, I think, you know, it's going to be a fun time. We'll have our after show where we get to clap it up and, and have some fun. Talk about how we messed up numerous times. We'll talk about <laughs> how bloopers. I yes, I want to see them. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's lots of, lots of bloopers. <laughs> <laughs> lots of bloopers, lots of retakes, lots of blah, 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 blah uh, going on in there. But it was great. So uh, a, lot, a lot of fun stuff coming up. Excellent. Well, we'll talk more about that in just a moment. I want to say thank you to this month's Patreon producers, Shui's Godson, Alex Rogopoulos, Ferris Atia, Justin Foshi, and Punctified. And if you want to help support our voices in video games, you can do so at patreon.com slash what's good games. Whether this is your first episode or your 310th episode, we're glad that you guys are here hanging out with us, hopefully interested to listen about what's going on in the world of video games this week. It's a, I would say it's a relatively light news week. We're recording a little bit earlier than normal because there's some stuff happening that you'll find out about later on. So if we miss something, as always, we'll catch up with it next week. But the story that I want to jump into first 
is these leaked Suicide Squad screens that have Ooh. appeared in the wild and have been very quickly deleted but still are around. <laughs> they have revealed that Suicide Squad is going to be a live service game, question mark, with a battle pass? Gasp! <laughs> Not a battle pass. I mean, we all play live service games. We enjoy them. We buy very battle passes so. on the regular. I don't feel like Battle Pass should be a dirty word. I don't know. It's like it's one of those weird weeks, right? Where, uh, you know, as soon as everyone did it, there was so much pearl clutching that went down on the Internet. I was like, why is everyone so freaked out about the games as service model in this way? Which is weird also because like so many folks who I know who I've seen talk about this game were already super excited for it, right? It was a lot right. of good energy around it. It didn't feel like the like in comparison to Gotham Knights, this was getting so much better energy around it. And now I guess that's the new boogeyman word is like you say games of service and, and live service game and everyone touches their pearls and freaks out and wants to hide from the sun. It doesn't make sense to me. It's weird. And the way that the yes. energy is kind of pushed out. It's I don't get it. I, I agree. And especially to your point, Andrea, we play battle pass games and live service games often they're wonderful like there's definitely a formula that works for this type of ongoing support for a game in a studio and I mean, Rocksteady has the, the Arkham franchise under their belt, and they're pretty well-trusted, I'd say, at this point. So I don't understand why it's an immediately negative reaction. I understand saying like, oh, that's different and being curious about it, but like immediately going to like, oh, they're going to like, you know, pump everybody for money and like go for this huge money grab. That doesn't feel like something they would do. No, I mean, Rocksteady hasn't historically done things like that before. Even Warner Brothers as a publisher has obviously some live service games in their umbrella or under their umbrella of stuff. But I mean, I don't think that anything jumps out to me as being egregious. Um, here is the screenshot in question, <laughs> which is, um, which is, I mean, whoever posted this is clearly outed because like there's a special code that's going to identify where this came from. But <laughs> there are some tabs across the top and that's where we're seeing like loadouts, talent, social battle pass, that kind of stuff. And we see some of the characters here, of course. And so they came out and, well, I shouldn't say they, unofficially, the sources, according to VGC Video Game Chronicles, where the leak came from, I mean, it originated on 4chan because, of course, it did. Of course it um, did. And allegedly, the battle passes focus on cosmetics, which most battle passes are. And the sources say that the currencies at the top of this leaked image are XP numbers for powering up and customizing your characters. Also, not really anything super surprising there. They start off great and can get ridiculous like Arkham Knight's Batman. So I think that's the kind of RPG progression you expect to see in a Rocksteady game and expect to see in a game of this type. And and I think that this is perfectly normal. Maybe that's just because this is what games are in 2022 and 2023. I'm going to get in my cranky old man bag and be like, stop whining, you big babies. Calm down. <laughs> like, we don't even know. Again, like, I think that they talked about, you know, according to VGC, about, like, the treatments are going to be kind of more cosmetic. Right? Like, I, the thing that bugs me out about even that layer of the conversation is this isn't a multiplayer PvP game. There is no pay yeah. to win. Why are people freaking out about that thing? Again, most times when you have these things that are moving towards a cosmetic space, it's about how cool do I look? Can I get the, the better looking costume that is going to fit my character and the characters that I want to use in the game? If there's no way to like buy something that's going to make my character play better than someone else is playing against me, I just don't understand why people are beefing besides the fact that they just need something else to beef about this week. That's, that's it, honestly. I think we all know that's the answer here is that people want a beef. <laughs> people love beef. I just love it. But I'm also really excited. It actually kind of makes me more excited too because it actually tells me that they are thinking long road. They want to support the game not only after launch. And the thing that's always going to be cool about any superhero game is that those characters throughout their lineage have pulled in from other storylines, other costumes and other cosmetics and other things that's going to make them look different in a way that will stand out when you do your hero pose, when you've beaten that boss and you take that screenshot and you're like, oh, look at this cool stuff that I did. And I spent some time in the game to, in, in the universe to grind that stuff out or just buy the thing right out and say, this is what I want. I don't see people beefing about that in Fortnite. 
they're not doing that as much in that way. So they're like not. I said, calm down, you big babies. <laughs> calm down. All right, let's move on to our next story, which is all about 2022's sales numbers. So the NPD, the folks that regularly track these kinds of numbers in the world of video games, released these late last week. So we didn't get to talk about them. So I wanted to bring them up because, surprising no one, <laughs> the Switch dominated once again in 2022 sales, which... I think is sort of surprising given that they didn't have what I would dub like a tentpole release last year that really took all of Nintendo's fan base by storm. I think it was just kind of like war of attrition for people being like, I have a Switch. What can else can I buy on it? But also, whenever anything Pokemon comes out, hardware yeah. gets sold. It's just, it's a given. It's a hand in hand. So according to Kotaku, Nintendo was likely pleased to see that the 2022 top selling video game console in the United States was once again the Nintendo Switch. Now, they don't have specific sales numbers because Nintendo holds those cards pretty close to their chest, but it outperformed the PlayStation 5, which was the second best selling platform last year, and the Xbox Series X and S came in third, which is sort of surprising given that, you know, everyone's talking about Game Pass, but we'll pin that for a second. It should be noted that the Switch was the best-selling console of December specifically, so it appears that the Switch is still the hot item to get around Christmas. And the two new Pokemon games also helped, too. They also listed the 20 best-selling games of 2022, and Nintendo doesn't share its digital numbers specifically. So, the top 10, surprising no one, number one, Call of Duty once again yes. uh, with Modern Warfare 2. Modern Warfare had a huge year 2022. I think Call of Duty as a franchise really coming back to form. We talked when the game came out about how it broke its own records, which I reported on way back in 2011 <laughs> at Clever Games, if y'all remember that outlet that I worked at. And I'm not surprised to see Call of Duty once again on top. I am surprised to see just one Call of Duty in the top 10, though, because normally they snag hmm. two spots. But maybe Maybe everyone was just on the Modern Warfare 2 train. Mm. I mean, it's it's great. It's the best way to play Call of Duty. So here, here. I agree. <laughs> there you go. I guess the question I have for both of you is, and I, and I didn't really think about this until now, looking at the roster, does it feel like this is still the mom and pop shop GameStop hot 10 list of stuff in some way, right? Where it's like when you're going to the store where you're like, mom, can I get the new Madden game? And they go cop it for you and they go, mm-hmm. go snag it. Does that feel like this list is kind of more akin to that when thinking about not digital being in this? I would say mm, yes and no. Mm. Uh, Yes, because, you know, brick and mortar is always going to cater to the masses, the average consumer, the person who maybe is buying one to three video games a year and would be considered like a casual to mid-core gamer. Or if they're hardcore, they're hardcore at a single game, right? Or a free-to-play game. But I don't think that those games like don't align with where digital was at necessarily because the number two selling game was Elden Ring. And Mm. I think that that surprised a lot of people knowing how niche some of From Software's titles have been in the past. Clearly, that game was the water cooler game of 2022. We talked about it a lot and about just how well it did. But I think something that to compare it against is what the top 10 releases on Steam were specifically for 2022, knowing that that audience is very different than people who are going to like a brick and mortar store, right? Mm. And the number one selling game, and now keep in mind, it was very cheap, but very good, (laughs) was Vampire Survivors on Steam, right? And Stray came in at number two. Very different list, yes. (laughs) Yeah, very different list, yeah. Yeah, which I thought was, was really interesting that if you look at you know, kind of like where Steam was at, what their numbers were, just how different it is. And I think a lot of that also has to do with the publishers having their own launchers on PC. And we could go down that rabbit hole, but we won't because we're talking about the NPD numbers. So I'm not going to go through the whole list, but I do want to shout out that Sony came strong with both God of War Ragnarok and Horizon Forbidden West making the top 10. I'm so glad to see Horizon up there. The more I think about Horizon, the more I'm just so sad. The team at Gorilla, who made a show pony for the PlayStation 5 with an incredible narrative and a beautiful world is just getting kind of like overlooked in God of War's (laughs) shadow. And like God of War is a phenomenal game. It really is. But 
God damn, so is Horizon. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Uh, it, it is kind of interesting to see that that be a thing. And it was the showcase for the PS5 of like, this is the reason why to buy this console, right? It was the first thing that you were like, oh, so this is what next gen, when we were still talking about next gen as next gen game was the thing that you were supposed to buy. And it was, uh, as we see with even the, the numbers that are there in terms of like which console sold more, it was the attach rate game for that for that system in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Um, I do wonder if the folks at Gorilla feel like the redheaded stepchild in that way a little bit, right? Because they got they kind of, But the weird uh, thing is too, they got a lot of marketing push too, which is also weird. But I also wonder yeah. if because they were earlier on in the year. I think it was also a little too close to Elden Ring. Mm. Unfortunately, you know, that, as you said, Andrew, it was a water cooler game. It took over everything. Like even people who never heard of gaming or from software heard the name Elden Ring at some point. So I think it is just timing and unfortunate for Gorilla because they did make a masterpiece game. I hope the team at Sony Interactive Worldwide Studios takes a look at Gorilla's next launch and does them a solid and makes it in a year where they're not going to have to go up against another giant SIE first party game. Like, don't make them go against Naughty Dog. Don't make them go against Insomniac. Just like, let them have some breathing room because they're doing phenomenal work over there. And it's just like, it feels <laughs> wild to think that a game of that magnitude and that like technical prowess got overshadowed. <laughs> but it, it did. It did. Uh, which is... Yeah, bonkers. Anyway, kill zone, kill zone, next kill zone. That's what they got to do. I'm ready. Bring it back. Right? Let, let's go. Right? I miss kill zone. Mm -hmm. Such a great series. Almost as much as I miss resistance, but Insomniac's busy. Chunky know, butt shooter, kill Wolverine zone. and whatnot. Chunky <laughs> butt. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to do you want to dig into that? I, hey, I was on team. Let them be big and slow. Everybody else who was like, no, make it like Call of Duty. I was like, you're wrong. Oh, people care. love gears. People like chunky. Yeah. Chunky butt shooters are good. Yeah. TM, TM chunky butt shooters. <laughs> You got to have some variety, right? Mm -hmm. Variety is the spice of life. So this next story I pulled just because I want to remind people that we are mourning a loss in the video games industry this week. That's right. We are finally burying Google Stadia, everybody. It's time to put your black on, pour one out for the cloud service that never was. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, such a, it's such a bummer. I just like the more I think about it, the sadder I get. But their Bluetooth controller can live on at least until the end of the year. <laughs> <laughs> So Eurogamer writes that Google has launched its previously promised Bluetooth controller update tool. So if you do happen to have a Google Stadia controller at your house, like I do, I have two, in fact, enabling players to wirelessly connect their controllers to other devices once the gaming streaming service shuts down, which is happening on January 21st or the 18th, actually, I think is the date. Previously, Stadia controllers could only be used with Stadia, which seems like a big miss, but you know. That's the way the cookie crumbled. And they said that the self-serve tool is now accessible via Chrome, of course, Google's web browser. It does have some limitations and restrictions, which you can Google for yourself. They have warned that switching from Stadia's controller's original Wi-Fi connection to Bluetooth mode is a one-way street and cannot be undone. But I don't think it really matters because Stadia is, is no more. And that Wi-Fi technology only works with Stadia. So did it even work when it was working? <laughs> eh, maybe a conversation or debate for another time. <laughs> you can download additional Bluetooth updates until the 31st of December. Until then, enjoy. And then after that, Godspeed. <laughs> it will be missed. For this would be the people. perfect. <laughs> <laughs> this would be the perfect. If I lose this controller, I won't be that sad. Controller, mm, like this like will be the controller. Yeah, like I, like I give I, it to I, the baby controller. <laughs> you could throw all. You could throw up on all of this controller if you want. But it's like uh, I I now that I'm traveling more. I, I have the need to like either I'm either on my Steam Deck or I'm playing the cloud, um, and I don't want to bring my really nice controllers. To because um, I'm just worried that I'll lose it or I'll say would be like, what's that? And I'm like, yo, <laughs> <laughs> it's mine. It's mine. Don't worry about that. What that is. So yeah, I think this is kind of cool that they're they're actually gonna continue to give it some life. It, it was not doing much in my in my corner of my basement. I will say I did get both of my refunds from Google already for the stuff from Stadia that I did buy because I bought an additional like Stadia like Premier Edition when it was like on a sale because yeah. I was like, ah, I want that Chromecast Ultra. <laughs> yeah, that Chromecast Ultra is dope actually. <laughs> 
That to me was like the only reason worth buying it yeah. because I wasn't using the gaming service, but I didn't have to do anything and they just processed my refunds automatically. So they have had at least made good on that for some people. And hopefully if you're out there and you purchase some stuff on Stadia, you've also gotten your stuff refunded just ahead of its time. It was yeah. too soon. Do we know if it works with the Samsung TVs, the gaming if it's Bluetooth enabled, yeah, it should. Should. Well, hypothetically. There you go, Kyle. Only one way to find out. <laughs> Do you think this is it for Google on that front? Do you think they'll ever dip their toe into this version of the gaming space? Or is this their name burnt out of that space? I think they have too much money for their name to be burnt out of the space, mm. especially since they've already built the infrastructure. But I think they're just going to transition it to a, like, a cloud licensing business mm. where publishers can like l essentially license the technology for cloud streaming directly from Alphabet and that will become the business. But as far as like making games and the games publishing, I don't see them returning to it at, last, at least not anytime soon. They could potentially buy a publisher and then just fund that publisher who will continue to operate their own business. But will it be like branded Google? I don't see why they would do that. Like you said, I don't think that they've torched their reputation <laughs> because Google is a very ubiquitous company. And I think we all know they're not going anywhere. <laughs> but as far as gamers go, you know, there's a little trust that used to be earned back. Okay, well, continuing on, I just have one in case you missed it. I almost didn't talk about this story. <gasps> oh, no. <laughs> Mostly because it makes me personally a little sad. And the last time we brought it up, I was like, I'm not even speculating. I'm just mad about it. Yeah. But I saw a couple outlets talking about it. And Khalif, I saw that you also talked about it with one Greg Miller on Kind of Funny Games Daily, mm -hmm. which you were on earlier this week. So if you guys missed that episode, you can go over to our friend's YouTube page at youtube.com slash games and check it out. The story is... Beyond Good and Evil 2 is still in development, despite recent Ubisoft game cancellations. So we talked about that on the show last week with Paris, and we didn't talk about this because it kind of like was under the rug until some enterprising individuals kind of poked at Ubisoft and was like, hey, but what about BG&E 2? Was that one of those unannounced canceled games? <laughs> Are you guys just quietly not talking about that? And they were like, no, no, no. It's still in development. Quote, Beyond Good and Evil 2's development is underway and the team is hard at work to deliver on its ambitious promise. <laughs> cool. At least they know, right? <laughs> Ah, I feel like that cool. is that is in a folder on someone on the PR's desk that's like just execute. Boom, hit that button. Generate that's chat GPT. It's like <laughs> we're gonna, <laughs> tell me what you think about Beyond Good and Evil. And that's the sentence that pops oh, out on chat GPT. My goodness. Yeah, I stopped asking about it because it's clear that they're not gonna talk about it until they're ready to talk about it. My hunch is that after they debuted the last gameplay, which was five years ago now at this point, which was a very long time that they kind of scrapped what they were doing and went back to the drawing board. And that the game that we remember as Beyond Good and Evil, which if you've never played it is wonderful, may or may not, you know, come back or exist ever again. I mean, maybe what they're actually doing is just remaking the original game wholly and mm -hmm. saying like, let's just remind people what this game is. <laughs> they're seeing all these remakes do really well. And they're like, so why are we like bending over backwards to create something so fancy and new when we really don't have to? Who knows? That's just me spitballing. But some other things to note, the creator, Michael or Michelle Ancel, who famously created the Rayman series was, you know, in a little bit of hot water, first off, left the project to be like, I'm going on sabbatical or I'm leaving video games to take some time for me. And then not that long afterwards, it came to light that, mm, you know, sounds um, toxic behavior at the studio and some icky allegations. And so I was like, huh, connect the dots there. Maybe something was something was up. But now they hired a writer. I think it was last summer. And so clearly there's work being done. I don't know, Khalif. I feel like there's nothing more to say. <laughs> yeah, I, I, the only thing I can add to that that I didn't talk about on, on Kind of Funny was like hearing you talk about the potential reforming of what this game could be. It makes me want to hope that with the time that we've seen since that initial, you know, gameplay look five years ago, that they don't kind of constrict their ideas in that space. They have more technology to play with. They have even bigger audiences to market to and to kind of play towards. I hope if they do continue to make this game like they said they have, because they want to deliver on that ambitious, <laughs> ambitious promise, that they go big, that they really try to push it out because Ubisoft, as we talked about, needs the money and they need the big win. That's not Assassin's Creed and not Far Cry. So it'll be cool to see if that. Yeah, fingers crossed. 
Rihanna, did you ever play the original Beyond Good and Evil? I didn't. And so your your pitch for a remake is very compelling to me because everyone I know who's played it has said nothing but the best things. So hey, if you're if you're listening out there, you know, you be maybe that's the way to go because I'll play it. I don't think it's like so far fetched to think that that's, you know, in the realm of possibility. I would personally would love to see it and it's a wonderful little game. So we do have one little in case you missed it and it's about The Last of Us. Clearly episode one came out on HBO this past weekend. It was all over my social media feeds and I love that it can't be spoiled for me because it's very old and I already (laughs) know what happens. It's wonderful. Like HBO premieres aren't normally like that. Uh, But the news is that it was the second most watched premiere in a decade on HBO, just behind House of the Dragon, of course, the Game of Thrones spinoff, which debuted last year. And it was really close. So House of the Dragon was 4.8 million who watched according to the ratings and the Last of Us was 4.71. So just just a tiny bit behind. So I thought that was really impressive. I really think their cast is doing a lot of lifting here, which is wonderful. Yeah, something I thought was interesting because um, I, of course, saw the, the first episode at the premiere event and I'm planning to watch it again soon, probably today, is that I was looking over different, you know, YouTube reviews and, and people who were doing breakdowns of episode one. And I noticed there wasn't anyone kind of going piece by piece, New York star, screen crush style, picking apart all the scenes. And I came across the channel Beyond the Trailer, Grace Randolph over there. And she actually mentioned that the press and the media were told not to use any footage from the first episode. No screenshots, no clips, nothing besides what was in the public trailer that released weeks before. So it's interesting that the cast has to do such a heavy lift because there's really no one breaking down the episode when we know the story already. <laughs> it's it's uh, perplexing to me why they wouldn't, you know, want those viral moments or want those Easter egg videos because they do so much for, you know, a lot of other nerd properties that I would classify this adjacent to. So I find that 100%. peculiar. I wonder if that was just pre-launch and now that it's out publicly, people can do that because we know that the press got access to the episode before it was released to the public on you know HBO Max's streaming service. But yeah, that is that is a head scratcher. Yeah, like all press is good press when it comes to something like this, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine anyone you know trashing it because we know. It's good already. <laughs> so we we all liked it the first time. <laughs> so that was a, an unusual decision for, from my angle. Yeah, it sounds like, you know, whether you got it as a presser or you're watching it with everybody else, there's no no blessing to do any breakdowns. So strange, strange one. Mm. Yeah, it is weird. I mean, they're doing a really good job on it so far. I mean, everybody, uh, I've seen people who have no connection to video games who watch it. They were like, this is, this is cool. That was the thing that I was hoping to hear uh be in that conversation especially <laughs> especially because i'll be honest the energy in the room prior to the prior to the premiere and seeing folks that i know who are going to the premiere and press picking that stuff up the energy around the even the thought of the game and the, and the show for years has been so contrite and so <laughs> like fussy and so angsty in a weird way and it's been nice to be able to, to see that it's now out and even with all the connective tissue that we already know and story that we already have known to love, that it was nice to kind of just see a thing, look at it, and then enjoy it and not have all that fuss around. It's kind of nice. That was very cool. I, I do remember uh, getting a chance to, to, to hang out with Neil Druckmann prior to everything happening a couple months ago. That was where I got to hang out with Britt and talk to him for a little bit about just like his experience. And, and he was he was glowing talking about his work that he had gotten a chance to do with it. The time that he got to spend with nice to also see someone who has done all of this work for a long time alongside to build this world to still f- see that spark of uh, excitement in, in eyes about the story. That was super cool. I, I appreciate getting to see people who make things be excited about them. And so super cool. I like that. I will say my mom had some comments <laughs> about the first episode. Oh, yeah? Okay. A little Veronica Manuel Gilbert segment <laughs> here. She first off said she didn't understand why everybody forgot how to build shit and why there were no like electrical wires that could work. Like everything was running off of extension cords. She's like, well, did the zombies eat the 
wires in the wall, which was hilarious. <laughs> Did she not know where power comes from? <laughs> I was like, someone has to run the, the fucking power, power plant. Exactly. But, and then she also asked, did people forget like how to make soap? Which <laughs> she just thought everything looks so dirty. And I'm like, it's an apocalypse show. Like everything has to be dirty. That's just it's part of the, the aesthetic. It's not the soap, it's the water is the thing that's hard to come by. I guess mm. potable water, harder to manage for some reason 20 years from now, even with less people. I don't oh. know what the deal is, but <laughs> she had lots of world building questions, <laughs> which were really funny. <laughs> I love that your mama was like, why don't they wash their butts? <laughs> wash your hands, wash your asses. <laughs> I feel like you, you could die at any moment. How necessary is it to wash your butt on the regular? I mean, way? yeah, yeah. Hey. virus one, one way or virus another way, I guess. <laughs> well, technically you know, I didn't fungus, think I didn't so. I didn't think about that. I guess you can technically get sick from not washing your butt, but <laughs> butt virus. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh, it was it was this kind of scary like jolt that scene at the very beginning of the yes. episode where they had that scientist yeah. talking about global warming and how the fungus overtakes its host and how the only thing preventing fungal infection in humans right now is our internal body temperature. But as the world gets warmer and the fungus and fungi of the world evolve, is that going to change? And I'm like, oh no. And the fact that I there's don't no like cure. it when these post-apocalyptic <laughs> movies feel like they could actually happen. That makes me <laughs> uncomfortable. But I kind of like the fact that they they played in that science layer, right? Where I think that was a fun addition to the story that I didn't see coming, but also gave me that icky feeling of being like, stop playing, man. Like chill out. <laughs> like chill. Don't don't start putting stuff out there. Cause then you're gonna get the Kyrie Irvis of the world who's gonna just start making up stuff. And then you're going to see all these things start to push out to the world. And you're going to have to do it on the corner and be like, man, let me feel your forehead. Your forehead feels hot. You might get that. You might get that last of us. I don't want that either. I don't need that yeah. layer to then pull through the popular culture. I don't need it. I don't need it. No, no. It was unsettling. <laughs> and the the neighbor. Yeah. The, the old lady. The, the, the old, old neighbor. My goodness. Mm-hmm. Right? She was unsettling, so to put it mildly. Ugh. So, oh, I don't like, break I don't like this. Fun casting fact: I didn't realize that the the young lady who plays Sarah is the daughter of me from Westworld. Newton. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I didn't realize yeah. that. It was very cool. We were watching, and John's like, "She looks so familiar." So of course, he looked it up right away, and he's like, "Ah, she's Sandy Newton's daughter." Nice. There you go. Uh-huh. Great show. If you yeah. haven't watched it yet, t- check it out. If you can. Yes, it's excellent. And yeah, I don't know. Steal someone's password or something. <laughs> it. it's, it's very good. It gives us hope, us gamers hope that more excellent adaptations, you know, are possible. Absolutely. And, and, they, and they can do it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. So... Normally, this is where I would send us into a break, but because we don't have a ton of stuff to talk about in the hands-on section, I'm just going to keep on rolling because we're all playing something that we can't talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Hands-on, ears closed. Yeah, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Brittany is also playing a game that she can't talk about, but I believe she is healthy enough to return to the show next week and, you know, fingers crossed that she gets arrested and is back next week. Um, I think we'll all have, you know, multiple things to talk about on the show. But speaking of Call of Duty, we were just talking about that. Khalif, you've been playing DMZ. DMZ is my new jams. Get out of here, Warzone. Your old news. Ooh, Get out of ow. here. 
trash bag mode. I don't like, no, I'm just playing. Uh, but DMZ <laughs> is really, really fun. I think DMZ right now is my favorite way to play Call. I know a lot of, I know a lot of the game we've been playing kind of just like normal COD and then, you know, building up our camos and all that kind of stuff. DMZ right now has been my almost like nightly go to bed, get a couple of runs in, see if you can get a little spicy, do that, do that layer of it. The moment to moment pieces feel better than I would think than I would think of when I'm playing Warzone because Warzone is a lot of depending upon how you play faster, but you wind up having these kind of like fits and starts where you're moving really quick, then you stop and you hang out for a long period of time. And then you, you run again, stop for a bit because you're waiting for the circle to close. DMZ, because there are so many things on the map that you're trying to negotiate while also thinking about the relentless bots in that mode <laughs> who don't care about your life in any form or fashion, while also trying to figure out when the gas is going to move and the extraction points are there. And all of those things that are happening within that game, it makes me feel like I am always doing something that I, I feel like unless I die or have a bad run or run into human players who, who might beat us, that I'm always doing something that is fun. I'm always accomplishing a task and I'm also always trying to figure out better ways to be a good teammate. So I've been having a really good time with DMZ and especially their other map called Building 21, which is DMZ on crack, which is <laughs> even better because you're all in one big map. You all, just like four teams, you all spawn in different quadrants of that one building. And the idea is to then extract out of that building. But it's such a tighter, close quarters combat kind of thing that it gets really spicy in there. And all the bots that you would get in the kind of highest level of the normal DMZ map, they're all in that building. So enemies that would have like two plates of armor all those enemies already have three plates of armor. You're having to chunk through ammo and really be strategic about how you play uh, in, in lots of ways. In proximity chat in that building, the best thing on the planet. So good. So good. Lots of uh, colorful language in there, I'm guessing. Oh, yeah. The children are not all right. Um, <laughs> they are not okay. Uh, and the parents aren't either. Uh, everybody's mean. Everybody says a whole bunch of mean stuff to you in multiple languages. It is great. I've learned new words and phrases. It has been I an mean, amazing bravo time. for you for leaving it on. I just universally turn all of that stuff off because I just, I never have a good experience. Well, here's the thing, though. I think the one thing about DMZ especially, because Warzone is a little bit different. I think Warzone, if you keep your proximity chat on, like both modes, you can use it strategically because as soon as you hear that proximity chat, you know that there is someone in a vicinity that's close to you. So you so you are kind of using that layer of the game to your advantage if you are trying to. The thing that people have been doing to subvert it is they have been playing all the reggaeton that you can play at the highest levels all time so that they drown <laughs> out your ability to talk to your teammates and to hear where they may be coming from. You don't really get spatial awareness of like they are coming from a direction, but you know they're close. So there is a layer of it that, that people can use to troll, but I think the other parts of it is actually really cool. We've had a, had a moment where I was playing a game and one of the, the, the guys was like, oh, my teammate left me. Would you pick me up in the, in the squad? And we picked them up in the squad, let them extract and, and, and let them get out. There was a small child who's at least a, a young kid, I would think. And he was trying to extract. My team was running towards the extraction plane. He had just gotten something really cool off the map and was like, please don't kill me. Please don't kill me. And we let that kid get onto the plane uh, and, and escape. Look at you with your generous heart. Never again, because we died right after that. Never again. <laughs> oh, no. Never again. That little kid got to die next time. He's come through with all that stuff. Aww. You got to go, shorty. Because uh, I lost all my gear. <laughs> <laughs> being nice and being, <laughs> doing that stuff. You gotta work. go, you gotta shorty, go, shorty. You gotta it. go. But but uh, but those layers of that game type and that game mode really do bring to the forefront of like why DMZ right now is the jam for me. It has all that moment to moment action stuff. It has some quiet moments where you can kind of play around with it, and it has that human to human exchange that is not just like looking at our ki uh, kills and deaths and, and trying to be the top of the leaderboard. It has a, a little bit of humanity in it, and sometimes that's good, sometimes that's bad. Ain't that the truth? Uh -huh. Call of Duty, I think, really set the bar both high and low <laughs> for <laughs> multiplayer experiences, particularly with voice chat. And uh, it's good to see that nothing's changed. <laughs> I do, I do miss our our zombies time. We though, can still Rihanna. play it. 
Oh. We can always go back. Oh, wait a minute. The question I meant to ask you, and I've been dying to ask you this is, have you jumped on the predecessor train at all? No, I haven't. And I haven't. And a lot of people keep messaging me yeah. about multiple iterations that have been you know, launched by, before we continue, for people who are wondering, sure. what's pre- what the heck is predecessor? <laughs> yes. It's one of the many iterations of what used to be Paragon using Paragon assets that Epic Games released. So Paragon, I've talked about on the show many times, my bay, the only MOBA I ever really sunk a, a decent amount of hours into. But the reason I loved that MOBA, that multiplayer online battle arena game versus a game like League of Legends or Dota 2 is because I could play it on console. And I know that Smite was also very big on console. I just, I just for some reason never got into Smite, but I got into Paragon. And I think a lot of it had to do with the way it was 3D in the space. It felt like a 3D action adventure game, the way you would move through the lanes. There was a lot of verticality in the levels, which I liked where most MOBAs are like that top-down isometric view. And we played hundreds of hours of it together. And people have been messaging me and being like, have you seen? And it's like, I have, but all of them are on PC. All of them are PC. And I'm like, I'm just not a KMB person. You can play with your controller, though. Oh, okay. It has controller support. Okay, I'll play... I'll play with my controller against people playing with mouse and keyboard and a MOBA. That's going to be really great for me. I, I, I will say uh, this is this is my plea to you. This is this is me trying to bring you b- in, back into the fold because I need you, Andy. I need okay. you. Okay. Okay. Give me the plea. I've been playing this. Uh, I'm not playing the, the Paragon, the Overprime. That it, it feels a different. It feels like a very different game. But I've been sticking with Predecessor. I've been playing that on PC with a mouse and keyboard, and I have been doing absolutely fine. There are there is some some conversations about it coming to console at some point. I've also played this game on my Steam Deck in an airport on airport Wi-Fi. Okay. And did totally fine. There are some button remapping things, of course, because that's a problematic thing. And you do have to do a little bit of switching between, you know, using your controller for some stuff. And sometimes when you have to type in a, a specific kind of item, it's just faster to do some of that stuff on your keyboard. But for the most part, Everything else that you can do on a controller works extremely well for for this game. I've not played this game once on mouse and key. Mm. And I've I've played multiple, multiple hours in multiple matches. I'm like Mm. level 20 something, almost 30. This is my plea. This is my, this is my. um, My boy Gideon. That's what I'm saying. This is me raising my hands and putting up prayer hands and be like Andy and your Renee, (sighs) my favorite carry of all time. Oh, you're doing me my way fa- too My favorite much of middle laner kindness. of all time. You know, I, I was mid all the time. My favorite mid laner. I can carry on occasion. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to bring you back to the promised land of predecessor. Mm. Okay, listen. You know, I saw my girl Gadget in this trailer. So I was playing the trailer, the predecessor trailer at youtube.com slash what's good games. Of course, Predecessor has their own YouTube channel if you want to check out more gameplay. But all right, I will make a commitment to download it and try it because it's in early access right now, right? Yes. And I will tool around. How is the progression? Is it similar to Paragon or do I have to like learn a whole new system? They've moved from a card-based system, which was the one that they used in Paragon, to a more kind of traditional item-based system. I'm not mad about that. Yeah, I I think the thing that they've done really well, though, is, you know, usually you're in the weeds because there's a meta that goes along with kind of learning the systems again and all that kind of stuff. They have what they have, basically like a a recommended item that you will pick and that will roll through your progression in game. Those recommended items work fairly well across the role that you're trying to pick. So if you're picking a, a support character, they will offer up a line, basically, that's like you keep picking these. This is the recommended spec. And this will get you to a good spot. And then once you've learned those things, you can kind of, you know, tool around with things and, and find little twists on stuff that you want. But I, okay. a lot of people and me, when I was starting out, was using a recommended kind of uh, spec and was doing really, really Because the actual, like, uh, powers that you have are pretty much the same. There's some changes, but they're very, very small. And you'll get around that, so. I appreciate you, Pleen, and, you know, I had mentioned to y'all before we started recording that this week is the first week that my baby is in part-time daycare, which is, you know, very exciting for me and everything I do in in, in relationship to my job. And I'm like, maybe I'll actually have a couple of hours a week to play more games that are online multiplayer. That would be nice to get back to that. Destiny, I miss you. (laughs) Um, Just in time for Lightfall. Oh, my gosh, right? So, okay, I think you may have 
got the itch. The itch. Hit going. me up, and, and, I, and I'll and I'll rock with you. We'll we'll, we'll make it happen. Okay, I'll um I'll do some tinkering around. Are there cool outfits yet, or no? <laughs> not yet. Not yet. They're still okay. working. Through I know it's that. early. I know it's early access, but like that's you know that's half the draw for me. You will get tired of the of the. Kind I will of buy a roster. founders pack. I will buy an overpriced founders <laughs> pack. It's got cool outfits. I, sp- I spent the twenty bucks to to get the two that are in there. They have a pretty good uh, roadmap of like when they're going to drop new stuff, which and I think they have Revenant coming back. Forecasting of cool. when new things are going to be kind of blast. Cleef, why you do this back to me? Back on ah. the train on a predecessor. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I promise I will take a look at it. You're going to have to, you're opening up your own Pandora's box here. I'm going to be hitting you up constantly to be like, let's go. I'll send, I'll send you to Google Doc with all the builds. <laughs> <laughs> okay, listen, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. So, as I mentioned at the top of the show, the reason why you're here specifically this week, because obviously you're welcome at What's Good Games whenever you would like, but you're a busy gentleman. You've got stuff going on. Is that you and Brianna co-hosted the second annual Spawnies, and we didn't really stop to talk too much at the top of the episode about what the Spawnies are. Now, I assume that most folks who listen to our show saw your show last year and also follow your show, but for folks who didn't what is your like elevator pitch that you give to the people you want to know about the spawnies i tell folks i say you know there's there there was a gap or i feel like there's still a gap within the kind of game award show video game award show space where you know you have a lot of the mainstays the game awards the dice awards you know york video games uh, critic circle game award show was happening this week as well. But there isn't this kind of mashup between, you know, what we think of as a traditional show and what I think of as cultures that, that are coming from underrepresented. There's a very specific flavor of culture that goes along with our communities, and they never really get infused into these kinds of shows. And there also is a layer where developers don't really get a chance to showcase and talk to the audience in a way that feels comprehensive or long without getting the hook and getting played and getting played off the <laughs> off the stage. It's an extension of, you know, the Spawn on Me podcast as that place of kind of showcasing and spotlighting uh, folks from those communities while also mashing that up with the culture that that makes all of those things great. Something that I've learned a lot about the production layers of the show over the first year and re just brings such a, an amazing level of energy as the co-host that it makes it so much, so much better. Do you feel like you have filled some of that gap that you've been lucky to fill between what you did last year and what you guys are doing this year? I, I think so. I mean, Reed, we, we talked a lot about, and you can speak to this, of like the new layer of the, of the, even just the fan voting parts of of the show this year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this year, the Spawnies partnered with Grab Lab in order to bring to you 100% fan voting. So unlike other shows where, you know, we've been involved with, we love, we've seen them year after year where there's a panel or a a number of judges who are the people who nominate and select winners every single year. For the Spawnies 2023, the fans picked all of the nominees for each category. And they also then from anything that got nominated picked each winner for the categories. So it's very unique in that this is truly like for the community, like for the culture. It's very empowering to see like what people really vibe with and what's resonating with with the the masses, right? Instead of coming at it from this media lens, from this creator lens where, you know, we have different biases. We play games differently than a lot of people who are, you know, sitting at home and, you know, like we said earlier on, have budget for one to three games a year. And like, what do they really focus on and spend their time with? It's expanded my backlog list for sure. There's, <laughs> there's a lot of surprises, some spicy picks, as Ka likes to say. And it's a really fun show. And, and it, it makes me really excited when I know I get to get to be a part of it again. What are some of the challenges that you ran into transitioning to this fan voting apparatus? Because you think in your mind, yeah, power to the people. Let's get (laughs) more voices, more opinions. But as Jeff Keighley alluded to during the Game Awards, another big award show in the video games, they ran into some really big trouble with bots and hackers and people trying to game the system. Did you guys run into those challenges? 
challenges too, or has it been mostly simpatico? I think it was pretty fine in terms of that stuff. Again, we're a much smaller show. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think I think that helps that process. To, you know, ask me that question on Spawny's, you know, 3050. When we're all cyborgs. Usually AI self is, is, is running that show. I do think the interesting layer is that we wind up coming up against was time. Not only from the fan vote perspective, but the thing that we wind up at least kind of coming up against was there's an interesting gap in game development where everybody just goes on vacation. <laughs> and that happens in around December. And you wind up seeing that big games are coming out right in that fourth quarter, coming into November and December. So games like God of War didn't get into the nomination process. And that was because of timing where, you know, the minutia of how do you build a show? How do you get the technology to work? Because the Grab Labs, we built this, you know, they built that from the ground up for us. And that took time to produce and, and get good and, and to have that kind of work in that way. So it's a lot of small things that you learn from year to year about the the way that the industry works and how to tie those things back in that wind up kind of informing how some of the things like fan voting will work. And, and so I'm sure that once once the show goes live, people will be, well, why didn't this game get an, uh, a nominee or, or, or nominated? Or why didn't this game get into the mix? A lot of that is based on timing. So I think for next year, because a lot of those things are already built, we can play around with timing a lot differently to kind of figure out what's into the audience. That makes sense. I think that's like the bane of all award shows is how do you figure out to make sure the kind of tentpole moments of a specific year are included. And obviously the Game Awards struggles with that. Even shows like Dice that are later in the spring the following year sometimes struggle with that too because now that video games seem to be this always on experience, live service as we talked about earlier, it's like what games are considered eligible and aren't based off when they released when they seem to always be on yeah right like question mark? yeah i can only imagine coming up with that criteria is stressful <laughs> <laughs> i think the hard it's it's just hard because you wind up leaving games off the list that you don't want to um i think that's the part that is the the kind of and, and to a certain extent let's be honest if you're doing a game award show in april <laughs> People are like, what in the hell do I care about these games you're talking about that were all last year? So there is an interesting cutoff period for that as well, where like for us, the end of January gave us a couple of different really fun things to play around with. One, you know, it is a show that is trying to support and uplift uh, marginalized folks, especially black and brown devs in the space, if we can do that. Um, January re leads directly into February, which is Black History Month. And there was so much good energy around the show that it felt like when thinking about where to kind of land it for this year, feeling all that good energy where you don't necessarily want it to just be a Black History Month thing. It felt like the perfect timing of where we landed towards the end of the month to get that good momentum going into a month where we're going to be celebrating. So it winds up playing into all of those things too, of like, you know, how do you, how do you usher a thing into a good space? Lots of conversations in there, lots of pulling out hair moments to get it done. <laughs> But I think, you know, the timing is good. I think the energy is good. And of course, any project is fantastic. Oh, I feel you there. I get so privileged to have her right? presence almost every week. <laughs> right? I mean, but sometimes she gets busy too. Right? I do. I do. <laughs> I got to say, call once again, and I've said this when we recorded, I've said it time and again, thank you for, for reaching out to me as your co-host. I am absolutely honored and it is a joy to work alongside you oh you're the best you're no i want to hear okay like the kumbaya moment's great you guys are the best. <laughs> like hearts, and, hearts and kisses hearts and kisses but like we talked about bloopers oh, um, oh. yeah let's talk about the bloopers oh man there there is a um I, i'm trying not to give away a very important aspect of this year's show oh uh yeah, no spoilers. I don't think that's a blooper. I think you can honestly just call that a surprise. All I'll say is my body made a noise <laughs> and, my, and, my, and my face okay. made a face when there was a smoke machine that went off. <laughs> it, it's one of those. It's one of those. There was a TikTok I saw the other day of a woman walking into frame and someone just yelling. And, and, and you don't know what your body involuntarily does and you can't stop it. You can't you can't foresee what it's about to do. And you just don't have a way to kind of like control that thing. It is very much a, fi a fight or flight kind of moment. And it's recorded in HD. It is recorded in 4K. And I've got to go look through the footage to go find it. And I will find it and play it in slow motion and look stupid in front of the world. It's going to be great. It feels like a YouTube shorts promo waiting to happen. <laughs> like what is what happened to Khalif in this moment? <laughs> 
<laughs> you saw his soul leave his body. That's what happens <laughs> during that moment. But I, but I think that's a part of it too, right? Like I think the thing I love about Spawnies is it doesn't take itself so seriously, right? The name of our categories are the Snot Bubble Cry Award, the Jamiroquai Award, the, you know, Six Million Ways to Die Award. Like in the space of so many shows that take themselves uber seriously, we have enough of a twist that separates us in that space to say, yes, we do want this to be a thing where we're giving and showcasing and spotlighting that layer of the conversation. We really do believe in the show and what it means for the future of what the gaming industry can be. But also, while we're giving homage to these folks who are who are building and making the games and the worlds that we believe are, are the future of, of at least this, this form of entertainment, that we want to have fun. Video games are supposed to be fun. This industry is supposed to still be fun. And if we can inject some, some fun in there, some culture in there, so some dope blackness in there, like it's worth doing the work to make that come to the forefront. And hopefully other people, when they see it, they see me and Rhi as two folks that they want to kind of emulate the work that we've done in the industry, while also feeling like they can nod their head when they hear the music and feel like there's a, a cultural relevance to it that you don't see in other spaces that honestly can't do what we do. So it feels like that's that's the layer of where Spawnies kind of meets the, the rubber meets the road. I hope that's the legacy that it leaves. Have you guys gotten any pushback from any of the partners that you've worked with about it being like too silly or not serious enough? Has that been a thing or has everyone just universally been like, I'm on board, sign me up? I think the most interesting part, to be honest, has less been about the kind of funny layers of it. And it's been more about like, and Rhea and I talked about this when we were doing the last recording was like, does it feel sometimes like the potential for folks who are outside of that conversation to say, is this a limiting one? Because the aspirational goal is from top to bottom, from the moment that we hit go, that everyone you see is from a underrepresented community from the beginning to the end of that show. That is the aspirational goal for this show because industry has not done that yet. And it is a semi-necessary and needed thing in this space. The only pushback has not even been a voluntary one. It's just been a way and state of the industry. You know, when I'm asking for acceptance speeches, I will say specifically like, yes, if you have a representative of your company who is a, or a member of your dev team is from an underrepresented community, we would love them to be the representatives who take that award and send us that acceptance speech. And sometimes you just don't get that because the numbers aren't there yet. So it's not because of any pushback. It's more of like you make up at least black folks. We make up 2% of the game, right? And if you don't have that many folks on your roster, sometimes you just don't get those folks to, to be those people. I'm happy to say that we've gotten really close. Even in our, you know, our first year, we were like at 80% of that show when we got folks coming in. That's excellent. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, that's, that's the, the, the thrust of all of that. I think, you know, had a really good conversation about this when we were doing stuff. The show is never exclusionary. It is always aspirational. And if we can figure out ways to bridge that gap in just vision alone, and that does move the needle forward. Now, will sponsors be down to pay for that? That's that's a part of the conversation too. And so far, we've had a lot of luck in that respect too. Xbox and Twitch are, are, are sponsoring us to, this year. And Zynga and their, and their Black Dev Resource Group is, is sponsoring us as well. So it's like the thrust from a, a, a cultural layer is there. You have the, the flavor of our cultures that are there that, that make it dope. And then you also have industry leaders like Xbox and Twitch and Zynga spending and putting their money where their mouth is behind a project. I think that's on the basis of me. I think that's on the basis of Ree's work that she's done in the space. And I think it does speak to how Spawn on Me has now in our 10th year coming up in three days. Yes, congratulations. Thank you. Now coming up on 10 years has, has actually done or at least has gotten close to the ethos of what that North Star has always been, which is the spotlight people of color in the video game industry. And I think all of those connective tissue pieces make the case for why it, why this money makes sense, why it's necessary, and why it deserves to continue to grow. 10 years is an incredible achievement. What are you doing to celebrate? I don't know. There's a lot of stores here in Portland. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, but, prob but probably, I don't know, like it hasn't hit yet, to be honest. Like, yeah. I think that's the thing. Like the thing that I keep going back to, and I, I was kind of reminiscing about this when I was doing uh, Kind of Funny this week, folks like Greg, folks like you, I just did DLC this week with Jeff Kanata. Like you three have always been people in my eyesight as like aspirational goals to do the work that we've been doing, do it at a high level, do it at the highest level, and also be likable, still have reverence for the industry, still continue to find good ways to be relevant, find good ways to make good content that resonates with an audience that is bigger than yours. And I feel like, you know, I, we, we don't get our due in some ways and we're still 
pushing the boulder up the hill to trying to figure out what the cultural relevance layer of it that, that attaches itself to actual like analytics and numbers. But I think when I put my head down on the pillow every night and I get to say like Spawnies is a thing, you know, getting to host these things is a thing. Without Spawn on me, I wouldn't have my current job. I wouldn't be in a position that I'm in now. And I wouldn't have been able to meet so many amazing people and folks who have listened to our show over the past decade. It, it is a blessing to be able to say like this thing that started from my kitchen table with with my friend Cicero is now a thing that has gone global in a way where we have millions of downloads and we're able to do fun stuff like this that pushes the conversation forward about why, you know, we should have a space in this industry and why we are folks who continue to move the planet. All of those things come through a wild podcast that happens where I, at the end of every episode, I say, why? So, so, don't want that butt virus. Uh, you don't want that butt virus, yes. man. You, I, you don't want to die from a butt nah, virus. That's not that's the, the way not to go a out. Stone etching that you want to leave you behind. You made it through okay? a whole ass pandemic. I don't want you to get taken <laughs> out by a butt virus. Don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. So I think those, you know, those are the real things that I think about when it comes to the 10th year of Spawn and me. We're still trucking along and still trying to figure out good ways to make good content that feels good and feels smart and feels like it actually has something to say and we're not just playing towards the algorithm. No. I don't want to do that work. That's boring. Once that becomes the thing, I'm leaving. No. I'm out. It's tough and you and I have had a lot of conversations yep. about this over the years as people who work in a space. I, I don't want to necessarily use the term otherness, but it feels like there's just, like you said, we're rolling this boulder up a hill and it feels like we're still never going to be able to crest it in the same way yeah. that a lot of other you know folks who have are going to be able to just because of the audience that we choose to serve mm -hmm. instead and that is a struggle because i think we both make good yeah. shit and i think a lot of people enjoy our content and someday khalif <laughs> we're going to bring it to more people because the tragedy of all of this are the people who you are trying to serve who what's good games is trying to serve not being able to find our communities yeah. and be like hey there's a place for me and that's why you know when i see sometimes you, you know, voicing some doubts in a moment of, you know, like overwhelming stress. You know, the, you had a, a moment on Twitter a little while back where you're like, what if I just, you know, take this all, you know, on Patreon? It was after yeah. all the really terrible fan bite news and the layoffs that happened and video games media was hit particularly hard in 2022. Yep. And you and I kind of had a power of like, yo, the work you're doing is way too important. You can't stop. <laughs> I, know. I mean, take care of you always. That's 100% most important. But if you have the juice left in your tank to keep going, what you're doing matters. And I, and I, and I, I want to rephrase that other part of the, what you said, because it's not just me, it's we. And I think the thing I love about you and the work that you do and the reason why I still look up to you, not only as a, as a peer and as, as a friend, but as a person who I know busts their ass to make a good show. We try. But it, but, it, but it is that work. I think that's the thing that I love about what's good is that it is still a space that is thinking about this industry in a smart, not clickbaity way, in a way that's not trying to just say like, we're going to jump on every conversation just for the sake of it. It is because you have something to say. You have an angle that you want to tackle that with. And you have a viewpoint in a prism that is extremely important to the rest of what this conversation could be. And you still have a reverence for the industry. I think there's a lot of the conversation conversation here that goes along content creation where the beauty is we have a lot more voices in the in the can the, the difference is that the folks who sometimes get the highest level of platform don't understand how any of it works and yes. that layer of the conversation <laughs> is just hard because you're like Making video games is easy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just just flick the switch and make that button happen and all the kind of stuff. Like, you talking about, it, like, even just in the episode that we just had, you talking directly towards the conversation about, like, what Google can do in that space. There are so many people who couldn't understand the minutia of how that works and who couldn't speak True. to it in a way that is smart, right? They were just like, well, give that stuff to, to Xbox. Like, that is not the way that <laughs> stuff works, right? So I think that there is a space there that is still there for us. We're just hoping to kind of find what that space is. But I also do think that like, there is a moment that I think about all the time of like, when do you start to, to pack up the bags and sunset the stuff? And it's less about not having something to say. It's more about how do I move that content into a space that I can control even more? And I think that's the thing that I'm thinking about when I was like, oh, well, Patreon, or maybe I pack all this crap up and we just do a Discord server and just throw stuff in there and I make you content that only they see. That's the stuff that I'm thinking about. I'm tired of trying to figure out like, what did YouTube say today? I'm tired of trying to figure out 
Twitch ads. Oh, word, you want to give me $5 for 75 ads a minute? Okay, that's cool. I want to make fun stuff. And we talked about this, talking about the beginning of the show for Spawnies. And we were talking about some 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 music that I want to use. Folks were like, oh, you're going to get dinged for that. And I was like, I don't care. And, I, and they were like, what do you mean? I was like, I want to make something that is memorable for the people who are going to watch. What is YouTube going to do? He's going to tell me I can't use it. They're not going to monetize it. I'm not making money on YouTube anyway. <laughs> what is Twitch going to do? Twitch yeah. is going to cut the thing. They're sponsoring the thing. You know what I mean? So like at the end of the day, I yeah. want to make stuff that resonates with people, makes them go, oh crap, that was dope. And can we have more of that? That's not going to get fulfilled by an ad revenue source. That'll get fulfilled by a sponsor. But the other layers of that, if we are still in connection in that way, they will understand the reasoning behind it, back it and push it. But we just don't live in that space where people have the full freedom to make exactly what they want. And that's the interesting part of the content creation space. Everyone has really good ideas, but I would bet if you ask most people, are they actually doing exactly what they want in the fullest way that they can? 99% of people would tell you. And I want to move away of from course. that conversation. I want to move towards making dope stuff that I want. Because I don't know, I might not be here tomorrow. <laughs> you know, like make the stuff that's that you want to make and make it for the people who want to make it. And if they don't like it, still make it because you wanted to make it. Glaive, God bless you. You're always a source of inspiration. Can you just like be on the show every week? Can you just like stop spawn on me and just be on Wesker Games? I mean, hey, hey, I mean, hey, I mean, hey. You know what? The day will come when we join forces and the we'll be unstoppable. Open this Voltron. We're be the Voltron of all Voltrons. Open this Voltron coming in, no doubt. All right. Well, let's wrap it up with two final thoughts, one from each of you that you want to leave with people as a nugget to be like, I really want you to tune in and watch the Spawnies because of this reason. For me, it's the musical interlude. I cannot wait for people to see it and to hear it. Mine would be, there's a really fun guest. She nailed that segment. The internet will talk. Okay. I love a cameo moment. Very fun. Well, once again, remind us when they are and when we can watch them. You want to take it? So that will be on twitch.tv slash spawn on me. And January 30th, 6 p.m. Pacific time, we will be in chat rocking with you. And again, after the show, there's a post show. So please plan to hang out all night. It's going to be a party. Excellent. Well, mark your calendars, everybody. We're super excited for both of you. And congratulations again, Khalif, on 10 years of Spawn on Me. You guys can download Spawn on Me wherever you download and follow What's Good Games. And of course, we'll have all of Khalif's links in the show notes below. So please do go interact on social media. And we're excited that you could come by this week. So break a leg next week, even no, technically you've already shot this. <laughs> Doesn't really make sense. We break that leg. But I hope it all goes smashingly. I'll see y'all in the chat. And um, thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye.